0: Welcome to the My Yielded Life podcast hosted by me, Ray Marie Marsh, where I will be answering the question, what does it actually look like to yield to God? So this is not a right or wrong. This is just God in me. You've got to hear him. That just didn't sound right. As a Christian, you feel like you're given those two options. You're supposed to take the ministry road. You've got to settle this. Do you trust him? And I felt like God was not listening to me. Not everyone will go this journey. There are some who will. But I had to do this. I needed to be who I am. You didn't find this podcast by coincidence. You are here for this. Let's figure it out as we go. This is my yielded life. I'm Minister Ray Marie Marsh, and it's time to continue our journey through the book of Acts. As a campus and as a core team, we've been studying the book of Acts for months now, looking at it verse by verse, really praying through, getting the best understanding um, God will give us on what occurred in the book of Acts with the early church. And last week, we studied the fact that two Christians died. So first a husband, and then following the husband's death, a wife. And this time it wasn't at the hand of persecution, but these lives were taken by God Himself in response to a great sin that was witnessed publicly where Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit, did so intentionally, did so on their own will and own accord under no coercion. And that's where we left off. So, Acts chapter 5 and 11 from last week says that great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about the events. So Luke had been zoomed in giving us a very detailed account of this occurrence where two Christians died at the hand of God and now we zoom out. Now we're looking at more of a backdrop of the church almost like a brief intermission for the next five verses in Acts chapter 5 verses 12 through 16, we get like a tweet almost, like a very short update of an overall description, an overall summary of what has been occurring in the church. This little intermission, this brief description is in between Ananias and Sapphira's consequence and more severe persecution. So let's look at this Zoom out, if you will. Remember, this is going to be more like a bird's eye view, looking at the overall picture of what is occurring for the church. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16 say in the NLT version, the apostles were performing many miracles, signs, and wonders among the people. And all the people were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade but no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they all were healed. As we look at these five verses, I'm going to go over with you uh, three status updates that the writer gives us in this passage. The first one is that people were making personal decisions for or against Jesus Christ. Secondly, we see the gospel spreading beyond just Jerusalem. And third, we see a beautiful glimpse of being saved from sin and its impact. Let's walk through these five verses and pull out what's there. Verse 12 in the Amplified says that at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders, attesting miracles, were continually taking place among the people. And by common consent, they all met together at the temple in the covered porch called Solomon's Portico. So again, just a refresher. Who are these apostles that the text is referring to? It's still the 12. It's still the 12 from the Gospels when Jesus was walking among them, with the exception of Judas, who was replaced by Matthias. So the 12 who walk with Jesus have been set apart by God to walk in Jesus' stead now it became expected also that the church was going to meet in Solomon's colonnade. So the church knew it, the community knew it. Um, There was this informal understanding that this is where the church of Jesus Christ existed and they were meeting regularly. And we see that reference throughout Acts. We've already seen it a few times where it says they met regularly. They prayed, they worshiped, they fasted, they looked at the scriptures. They were together regularly. And then we see that there were signs and wonders and the Amplified defines that or further reiterates what that means by saying attesting miracles. The signs and wonders were not just fluff but they were to attest to and affirm the authority given to the church by Jesus Christ. I think it'll be helpful for us to look a little closer at signs, miracles, and wonders. Have you ever asked yourself, why does the scripture usually name all three of those? Aren't they pretty much the same? Well, let's look at the definitions and see. Miracles, signs, and wonders are very similar. Each of these are a divine supernatural act, but there are some distinctions that we should be aware of as we walk through acts. First of all, signs Signs are also a divine supernatural act but they are intended to appeal to the understanding. If you look at a sign that God performs, it should tell you something more about the will of God and God's character and nature. For example, remember Elizabeth and Zechariah when they were struggling to conceive a child and they were told that they would have a child and they should name him John and Zechariah, the father, laughed it off and had to be silenced. So God took away his ability to speak until John was born, and then Zechariah named him John. That can be considered a sign. It was a supernatural, divine intervention into our world that showed us um, that, get, that matched our understanding of God's will, who he was, and what God was trying to accomplish in the life of John the Baptist. You can also think of Jesus feeding the 5,000, um, showing that he can provide. That was a sign and that was also a miracle, which you'll see next. Miracles, another form and manifestation of God's supernatural power, are more spontaneous and sudden. They're an interaction in the normal course of human life. So oftentimes they are going to interrupt our natural laws of time, space, and matter. An example that we can think of in our context is you compare progressive healing to instantaneous healing. According to the scriptures, Progressive healing would not be considered a miracle, but instantaneous healing would. We're thankful for both, of course. And then there are wonders. Wonders, of third divine act and intervention from the Lord, um, displaying his power, are intended to actually appeal to the imagination. So this is something more strange that causes the beholder to marvel and ponder. It's things like... Jesus and Peter, both walking on water. Um, Walking on water is not something we in our human context would even really expect or pray for or conceive actually happening. But wonders and other times in the Bible um, where you see things that are just unusual, they are to appeal to the imagination and to tell us that with God, anything is really possible. Even stuff we have not even thought of. So in definition, there is a distinction. When Jesus was ministering on the earth, there were many signs and wonders that we saw him do. And now we're seeing those same signs and wonders to the same degree occurring amongst the apostles, showing that while Jesus was not present in physical form, he was present within the body of Christ. This is proof that the apostles in the early church were literally the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, let me give you what the scripture says. The scripture says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in us and quickens us. The same power that worked through Jesus Christ is at work through and among the church. Let's look at what Jesus said In Mark chapter 16 verses 17 through 20, he talks specifically about signs and wonders. He said, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe they will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. We've seen that in Acts 2. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up to heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. It's like Mark was giving his own little synopsis of the entire book of Acts, that the body of Christ, once Jesus ascended, would go on preaching and teaching everywhere, the Lord working through them, him confirming what they said with many miraculous signs. Verse 13 of Acts 5, let's continue on through our text, says that, but none of the rest of the people, the non-believers, dared to associate with them. However, the people were holding them in high esteem and were speaking highly of them. The non-believers who were within eyesight of what was happening within the church respected Christ's followers but they feared the deadly potential of joining the church. There was a respect where people knew that something was significant and different about them, but yet they were not converted. They were not fully convinced that Jesus should be their Lord. In verse 14, more and more believers in the Lord, crowds of men and women were constantly being added to their number. That's verse 14. And so that brings us to update number one um, in this little intermission between events that people were making personal decisions about Jesus Christ while the church was growing. And the choices they had were simple. There were only two choices and two outcomes. There was a very clear line in the sand and the text paints this picture. In Acts 13 and 14, you have two sets of people and this dichotomy is true for every person in all of existence. There are only these two types of decisions in two categories of people in the sight of God. Verse 13 talks about the people who would not dare associate with them. They respected them. I love how you have that faith. That's cool what y'all are doing. Y'all have power. Y'all have authority. Y'all have proof in what you're doing and who you're serving. But yet, mm, I'm not with you guys. I am not adjoining myself to you. I am not um, acknowledging, embracing Jesus as my Lord. That's the group of people in verse 13. Then you have a separate group of people in verse 14 being described that says that there were some that came to the Lord, that the church grew individual by individual. And throughout Acts, when the church grows, it's referred to in crowds. But just know that within the crowd, there are people just like you and me who had to be saved, who had to have deception and scales pulled off their eyes to see Jesus Christ for who he was and who he is. And so when you hear the crowds, I want you to remember that Jesus gave the parable saying that if he had 99 sheep and one was missing, he was going to go after the one and that the angels in heaven are going to rejoice over the one. So I want us, when the scriptures in Acts says crowds, I want us to picture faces. I want us to picture our children. I want us to picture ourselves when we were lost. I want you guys to see the spectrum of how faith impacts humanity. Because at one point, each and every one of us, we were in the crowd that said, "Mm, that's them Christians over there. Jesus is their Lord, he's not mine. Every human starts off in some way with that rebellion within us, that resistance within us. Because at some point, if we are in fact born again, we had to switch to the other side. At some point, Jesus had to breathe life in us, had to illuminate the truth in us. And that's when we switched to the team that we were added to the church. So there's a spectrum, depending on what point in time we're looking at. And as Bridge of Hope Apex begins to be used to add people to the church of Jesus Christ. We've got to know that at a certain point in time, they may be on on team verse 13, but we are praying that they turn to verse 14 and we have to be patient and allow the Lord to work and determine how that's going to occur for each individual. But there's only two choices. There's only two options. Either they were amongst those added or either they were amongst those who said, no, Jesus is not my choice. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. The thing that's wild is that so much power was invested by God into the apostles, that even the passing shadow of Peter, and we'll see later in Acts that even the handkerchief of Paul was used as an instrument of God to manifest his power. Why did God do this? To bear witness to his chosen Messiah. Anytime a miraculous healing does occur, we are instruments. Anytime we pray earnestly or casually for someone to receive healing, we are instruments. Anytime we anoint with oil for the sick to recover or lay hands again, I pray we'll be able to do um, after this pandemic. We are simply instruments. And that is important to point out here that people saw the power of God moving. They saw who the power of God was moving through, but the healing is all glory to God and not to the apostles. Verse 16 in the Amplified says, and the people from the towns in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. This is the first time since Acts that we see growth outside of the community. Remember in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church at Pentecost, there were Jews from every nation all over the earth, but they were all Jews. This is the first time we see all surrounding towns, different types of people, not just Jews, interacting with the gospel because people from the neighboring towns were bringing their sick, their demon possessed to where the apostles were in Jerusalem. So we see growth outside of the Jerusalem community. We see progress of the gospel following the great commission where Jesus said, go into all nations. Well, this is how the all nations (laughs) begin to start. This is the embryo, if you will, because they have not stretched out physically and traveled yet, but yet the gospel is impacting other areas. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark 16 verses 15 through 16. Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. This is a great summary of what we are seeing in Acts that the apostles actually did carry this out. This verse almost feels prophetic because we're looking right now at the status update from this passage and we're seeing the great divide between those who believe and those who won't. And also we're seeing the gospel going everywhere. And so that is update number two, that the gospel grew outside of just Jerusalem. It's almost like God drew people in before people are scattered out. And it is persecution that helped push the church out to different um, locations. But this brings us to update number three from this intermission. It's that through these signs and wonders, through these miracles, we're getting a glimpse of what it's like to be saved from sin. Um, I don't think we do a very good job of really conceiving what life, what existence could be like without any influence of sin because we have no way to separate our understanding from a life that is impacted by sin, from an existence, from a humanity impacted by sin. Because from the very beginning, um, we've been living amongst fallenness. And our fallenness manifests in many ways. It's not just bad behavior, but even the frailty and the natural decay of our bodies occurred when sin entered into mankind. When we're with Jesus, in paradise, guys, sin and all of sin's buddies, all of sin's impact, all of sin's consequences, all of the outcomes that begin with sin, they'll be resolved. When we are in the culmination of God's will, when our salvation is complete, we will have nothing related to sin among us or in our existence or in our bodies. So do you know what will not be in heaven? In heaven, there won't be any physical sickness. In heaven, evil will be non-existent. In heaven, there will be nothing separating us or opposing us in our relationship with God. See, in this life, (laughs) sin happened. Our world was broken. Our world was fallen and sickness and decay among mankind began. Demon oppression and the influence of Satan. Possession by evil spirits and their influences. That happens now. And we live with that and interact with that. That is our normal. But there is going to be a new normal that is eternal. See, the signs and wonders show us a glimpse of heaven. When we say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the as it is in heaven when we see the presence of the gospel come and certain things have to flee. The fact that they laid beds in the streets. I want you guys to pay attention to what it is that had to flee from just The carrying of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. What were the things that ran away? What are the things that flee at the name of Jesus? These are the things that will be absent from God's kingdom. These are the things that get eradicated at the name of Jesus. They're the same things that Jesus is working to eradicate in us now. They are the same things eradicated in the signs and wonders. And here is what they are. Satan's power in any form, any um, manipulation of the enemy. Satan's power is broken and stripped away every time we see the signs and wonders and miracles falling. Those demons fleeing, like they almost had to evaporate. They had to get away from those people because the power of God was present and potent for those people. The chains of sickness are loosed. Sickness has to flee. It had to leave because the kingdom was there in Jerusalem. The prisons of sin are released. People are released from the prison of sin. Many times when Jesus healed people, he said, your sins are forgiven. They were like one in the same. And then the beautiful thing that we need the most, uh, more than we need our bodies to be well. We need to have an intimate relationship with our father. That's what he intended. See, all the things he does for us, he really loves us and adores us as his created child. He's crazy about us. And so in removing sickness, in removing the power of the enemy, in removing our sin that hurts us and destroys us and works against our good, he lets us come near to him. So in heaven, we'll be near to him, nothing in the way. And we see that in this short update, in this intermission between Ananias and Sapphira and more persecution for the new church, we see these updates, the status updates of the church. The first update is that people were making personal decisions for or against Christ. Secondly, that the gospel spreads beyond just Jerusalem. And third, we're seeing real glimpses of what it's actually like and what it actually means to be saved from sin and all of its impact. In closing, I want to let you know I appreciate you for listening to this episode and I welcome your questions, feedback, disagreements, whatever it may be. You can email me at ray at myyieldedlife.com. You can also connect with me in between episodes by following me on Instagram or Facebook under My Yielded Life. So until we connect again, take care.